praise God. Mark chapter 16 this morning. It says there in verse 1, it says, Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door to the tomb for us? <clears throat> a couple of days after Jesus' death on the cross, the two Marys in Salome, they were heading to the tomb with some spices to anoint Jesus' body. You see, Jesus was in the tomb since Friday. Saturday was the Sabbath, so they couldn't go. They could do nothing on the Sabbath. And if they were caught out and about on the Sabbath, they themselves would have been and probably could have been killed by the Jews. So now here comes Sunday. And the three women, they get up very early in the morning and they head to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. Just three women. Not on an apostle in sight. So they get up early in the morning and I'm sure they must have communicated with the apostles. They must have said, here's what we're doing today. We're, we're going, us three, we're, we're going to Jesus' tomb and we're going to anoint his body. And the amazing thing about this story is if you ever look at it, not one of the apostles said that they would go with him. And give him a hand, help him. Because they had a problem, didn't they? These three women were heading to the tomb and they had not got a chance even between the three of them of rolling the stone away from the cave for them to gain access to Jesus' body. And that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? You see, like the tomb wasn't sealed with a wooden door or a bit of a canvas put over the top of the tomb. When Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus laid Jesus' body in the tomb, they rolled this great big stone over the entrance. And if it wasn't sealed well enough, the Jews, fearing that the apostles would come and steal Jesus' body away and claim that he had risen from the dead, they went to Pilate and said, hey, listen, this is their plan. This is what they're going to do. They're going to steal his body and they're going to say, he's risen from the dead. So you need to stop that, Pilate. And they asked Pilate's permission to seal the tomb. So you can only imagine what they did in sealing the tomb. They set guards on it and they made it even more secure so that nobody could easily gain access to Jesus' body. So here the tomb is well sealed and the two Marys and Salome are heading to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body and not one of the disciples was willing to go with them to give him a hand rolling away the stone. But notice, that didn't stop him. It wasn't until they got to the tomb that they asked the question, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb from me? And I wonder, how many times have we not done something that we knew that we should do because we couldn't work it out? How are we going to be able to do it? Did you get that? Mouthful. How many times have we looked at something and thought, you know, I really want to do that, but I haven't got the ability within me to be able to do it. And then given up on it and said, okay, I'm not going to be able to do it. Church, we have to remember that our God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Don Moan, love that song. God will make a way where there seems in the natural to your senses and your abilities, God will make a way where it seems impossible that there could be a way. God will make a way. 
Amen? We don't serve the God of the possible. Even though everything is possible with Him, we serve the God of the impossible. Amen? You know, for years I had a Rubik's Cube, and for years I played with a Rubik's Cube, and I could easily get one side. Everybody could get one side. Good people could get two sides, and I could get two sides. And, and a couple of times I got three sides of the Rubik's Cube, but I could never finish the whole thing. But you know the good thing about that is? That it didn't make the Rubik's Cube impossible just because I couldn't do it. I had a first cousin who could do it in under a minute. I still can't do it. But in our lives, we will come up against stuff that seems impossible to us. And you know what? They may be impossible to us. They may be impossible to everyone. Not even your first cousin might be able to do it. But when you get to a place where something is impossible for you and impossible for everyone else to do, that's when God takes over. Because He is the God of the impossible. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't give up on something that you feel that you need to do just because you feel that it's impossible. Trust it to God. Give it to Him. Say, God, in my ability, in all of my ways, I've taken this as far as I can take it. Now I'm trusting to you that you gave me this heart. You gave me this thought. You gave me this calling. Now in order for it to come to pass, it's going to take you, God, because I can't do it. You know you know, it's good to say that you can't do it. Amen? It's, it's good for you if you come up against a situation in life. That it's okay to say, that's beyond my skill set. I'm not able to do that. Because then somebody that can do it can step in and do it. But when it comes to God, also, if you can't do it, don't think that it's impossible. There's so many people, so many people who follow after God, they, they come to a situation where everybody and everything around them says it's impossible, and they then too believe that it must be impossible. But in, in God, all things are possible. Amen? God will use you if you allow Him. Amen? God will use what's in your hands if you allow Him to use your hands. Amen? I'm always amazed at what a baker can do with some flour and some water. Amen? To me, it's just flour and water. But to a baker, I mean, they can make a feast out of that. John chapter 6 and verse 5, it says there, Then Jesus lifted up His eyes and seeing the great multitude come towards Him, He said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat. But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him like you and I would have answered him. And he said, 200 denarii's worth of bread would not be sufficient enough to feed them, that every one of them might have even a little bit. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's, Peter's brother said to him, There is a, a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what is that among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There, now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down in numbers of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples 
to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. You know, when Jesus fed the 5,000, the disciples said that there was barely enough to feed one, in their estimation. Now those five loaves and two fish, there were barely enough for that one little boy because it was a little boy's lunch. He was the only, well, well here listen, it was either one of, one of two things. He was either only the, the only smart one in the place to bring a lunch with him, or more likely, he was the only one that was willing to give what he had to God. Because I bet you, if there was 5,000 people there, there was a few more people with some sandwiches, weren't there? There was a few more people there too who had a few loaves with them and a couple of sardines with them as well. But when the word came out that Jesus wanted to feed the people, they all went, oh, hang on a minute. I know this guy have nothing. I know this guy have nothing. Jesus, who wants to feed him, it's obvious that he has nothing. So I'm going to keep what I have for myself because it's only enough to feed me. I wonder, was this young boy the only one there that day that, that heard what Jesus said and was willing to trust Jesus with what he had. I mean, it was only enough for himself. But yet he gave what he knew was impossible for himself to distribute to everyone there. They would have all only got a crumb. But I believe that he, because he was in Jesus' company and listening to, to Jesus, I believe that he knew that if I give my gift to him, if I give what I have in my hands to him, then he can do something that's impossible for me or anybody else to do. Amen? He wasn't stupid, the little boy, was he? He knew. He wasn't blind either. He knew that there was no way that what he had could feel all those people. Amen? But that didn't stop him giving what he had to Jesus. Having nobody to roll the stone away from the tomb didn't stop the two Marys and Salome from heading on to the tomb, did it? They kept going. Even though they knew none of the apostles were going with him, they still said, we're going to anoint his body. We don't know how we're going to do it. We don't know how we're going to get access, but we're going anyway. That journey that they took that day was a journey taken in faith. Because they believed that if they had purposed in their heart to do it, then God would do what they couldn't do in order for them to be able to gain access to Jesus' body. Amen? We need to develop this kind of an attitude when it comes to God. I know I don't have everything that I need. I know I don't have all of the money that I need. I don't, know, I don't have all of the abilities that I need. But what I do have, I'm giving it to you, God. Because you can make a way where there is no other way. Psalms 30, 37 and verse 23 says, The steps of a good man or good woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Amen? Notice that it says steps. Steps are movements, are they? Yeah. If I step over here, I move out of and away from the pulpit. I'm moving, aren't I? It says the movement of a good man and a good woman, they're ordered by the Lord, aren't they? A parked car is exactly that. 
it's going nowhere. It's got no momentum. It's got no velocity. It's got no pace. It's moving nowhere. But it says that the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. It's only when something is moving that you can move its direction. Yeah? If you have ever got an immovable stone or something in your home that you're trying to get move out of the way, the only way that you can move it out of the way is by getting a roll on it. Amen? And the only way God can move you and me into where he wants us to be is by getting us to move. Move the steps, the movement of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord. Once we step out like Mary's, the two Marys in Salome, once they stepped out, once they said, listen, none of you disciples are coming with us, but we're going anyway. Once they decided that we're going, God said, okay, I can direct them. Amen? Once that little boy came and said, Here, here's all I have, I give you all I have, then the, the wheels, the motion was started. Amen? Steps of a good person is ordered by the Lord, and, and, and when we step out, we need to trust God that in our momentum, God can direct us to where He wants us to be. Amen? Over in Exodus chapter 3, God had told Moses exactly what he wanted him to do when he was to visit the leaders of the children of Israel and when he was to go to Pharaoh. He, he told him exactly what he was to do, what he was to say. And when you do all of this, God said to him, then here's what I'm going to do. You see, in order for God's plan to come to pass, it took Moses having to do his part. God told him, you do this and then I'll do this. It says in chapter 4, it says, Then Moses answered and said to God, he said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him then, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. And God said, Cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out with your hand and take it by the tail. And as he reached out and he caught it by the tail, it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. God said to Moses, He said, What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What's in your hands today? What's in your abilities today? What's within your capabilities today? God is saying, even though you may think that you can't do it in and of yourself, I have already put the ability in you. You need to use what God puts in your hand. Amen? Use what God puts in your hand because like the, the loaves and fishes in the little boy's hands, they were only a snack for him. He'd have eaten them and that would have been the end of it. But presented to God, they became enough food with leftovers to feed over 5,000 people. What's in your hands today? What abilities are you looking at today thinking to yourself, I haven't got what it takes. I haven't got what it takes to be able to do the things that I want to do. I haven't got enough money. I haven't got enough skill. I haven't got enough ability. But what do you have? What do you have in your hands that God can use to be able to bring you to where God wants to bring you? Amen? How many times do we feel unequipped to do the things that God has called us to do? 
Pastor Joel Osteen of one of the largest churches in the world and, and certainly in the U.S. today, he's pastoring a church of over 50,000 people. The thing is that Joel Osteen didn't go to seminary. He went to college to study how to do tech and media. The thing about that is he didn't even finish college. He only went for a couple of years and didn't even qualify. He didn't graduate in college. The thing was, his father was pastor in Lakewood Church at the time. And his father's church was about 17,000 people. And his father was always on to him. I want you to minister for me on Sunday. But Joel always said, no, 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 that's not what I meant to do. Because Joel had come back to Lakewood Church and he had started the, the tech and media in the church and he was producing his father's uh, Sunday sermons and messages that went out on television. That's what he believed he was called to do and he was enjoying doing that. But his father kept on to him. He kept saying to him, I want you to minister for me on a Sunday. Give, give, you know, give me a Sunday that you'll minister. And every week Joel would say, no, 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 I'm, I'm not called to do that. Eventually, he relented and said, Okay, Dad, you keep asking me, so I'll do it. And he ministered his first message on uh, a, a Sunday in January. And six days later, his father passed away. And now all of a sudden, he was now in a position where, where he had to step up and become what God had called him to be. I wonder how many of us, because we don't see it in ourselves, are not doing what God really wants us to do because we're either afraid or we just don't think we're qualified enough. You see, God is not looking for your qualifications. When you go for a job in the world, they want to know how many degrees you have or what you get in your results or, or what's your experience and all of that. But when God looks to give you a job, He doesn't look at anything like that. God looks in your heart. Amen? God looks to see what He's put in your heart. You see, God is not looking for your qualifications because God qualifies the unqualified. Amen? Children of Israel, didn't He? Moses was qualified, but God had qualified Moses. God will qualify you if you only allow Him to use you. We got to start trusting that God has got this. Amen? Start putting our trust and faith in, you know, it, this is outside of my ability. But with God, nothing is impossible. Amen? Another great example is found over in, in 1 Kings chapter 17. It says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath. Now there was a famine, actually, background. There was a famine in the land at the time. God had fed Elijah at the brook Sherith for a while, a number of months there. He'd sent ravens in with bread and he'd provided water for him. But now God was coming back to Elijah and he said, now I need you to move on from here. So God said to him, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath and when he came to that great city, indeed a widow was gathering sticks and he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin 
and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And she went away and did according to what Elijah had said, and she and her house, she and he and her household ate for many days. And the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord spoken through Elijah. Church, we have to trust that God has what it takes. Even though we can't see it, or even though we can't work it out, God has what it takes, and he knows what he is doing. Before Elijah came to this widow, she had resigned herself to death, her, herself and her son. When she encountered Elijah, she was out collecting a few sticks so she would go home and, and make for her last meal for herself and her son. And, and she said, in her own words, she said, when we eat this meal, we're, we're going to just die. Then Elijah said to her, take from what you already have and use some of it for me. And then when you do that, you will have plenty. You will not run out, neither your flour nor your oil. And you and your son, you will survive and live out this famine. He said, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain onto the earth. You know, God will take whatever little you have, no matter whether it's just a small bit of flour and a small jar of oil, or whether it be that you lack in your finances, whether it be that you lack in your, in your education, no matter what you lack in, God is able to take what you have and He's able to use it to be able to make you the person that He created you to be and to be a blessing to those people around you. God is not in the position of taking from you. He doesn't want to diminish you in any way. God wants to promote you. God wants to elevate you. He wants to bring you to a place where you are walking in and operating out of the fullness of all that He created you to be. God didn't create you to fail. He created you to succeed. And a man, like some of us will say, well, you know what? That's past for me. I'm in my 50s or I'm, I'm in my 60s and, and I didn't do that stuff in the past. I may have a bad past. But God ain't finished with you yet. Amen? God has so much more for you to do. No matter whether you're 50s, 60s, 30s, or 20s, God has so much more for you to do. The Word of God says that the gifts and callings of our God are without repentance. God doesn't change His mind. What He created you to be before He placed you in your mother's womb, God still believes in that calling. Amen? He hasn't changed his mind because of the things you may have done in the past. Because of the years that you may have wasted. God is still saying, that's my son. That's my daughter. If they yield what they little that they have, the loaves and fishes, or the jar of oil and a small bit of a flour to me, I'm able to take their small amount 
and make them into the person I created them to be. Amen?